Today, joining the scouting report from Minneapolis, Minnesota, new Duke forward, Theo John. Theo, welcome to the scouting report. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Well, we appreciate you being here. So I want to start at the beginning. First, how long have you been playing basketball? Man, I've been been playing basketball since, really, since I could start walking. I've uh, been playing in the front yard, you know, in the neighborhood with the uh, other little kids. And it's just something I've always loved to do and always just enjoyed every second of it. So when you were growing up, did you play other sports? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I tried. I think of my parents put me in t-ball. My dad, being from the Caribbean, wanted me to play soccer. I uh, learned quickly that was not it. I tried football, played that uh, up to middle school. But, I mean, my priority and my love was always uh, on the court. So I knew I knew where I was supposed to be. Growing up, you know, playing a lot of basketball, when did you start to realize that college basketball was a realistic dream? Uh, yeah, so I'd say it never really hit me until I got my first offer. I mean, that was my freshman year from the University of Minnesota. Uh, I remember that night, like it was yesterday, just spending time with family. And next thing you know, I get a call, super excited. And, you know, it's kind of like that coming to, coming to peace moment with the realization of it's, uh, your dream is a reality. How, how old were you? Freshman year, so I was, what, 15? Yeah, okay. I believe so, yeah. Wow. And I always knew it was what I wanted to do. I remember after a third grade basketball game, my father kind of <laughs> put me in reality, uh, gave me a re- little reality check. Uh, I had asked him, it was after a championship game that we had lost. I had asked him, I said, Dad, you think I could ever play in the NBA? <laughs> and <laughs> he <laughs> he laughed because, I mean, the beginning of my career was not pretty. He laughed and he, he, was, he was like, son, you want me to be honest with you or you want me to make you feel good? And I said, you know, I was confident in myself. I said, Dad, I want you to be honest. And he has some profound words I won't bring to this podcast, but <laughs> long story short, he said, do I think you have the determination and the tools to do that? Yeah. But with the work you've been putting into this point, no. And again, I'm a, I'm a little kid at this point, really young, just getting my foot in the water for real. But he, he kind of lit that fire and kind of motivated me. And I always remember that conversation. I mean, to this day and still tracing my ultimate dream of, making it to the highest level. So that's really cool. For the record, you can say whatever words you want to bring onto this podcast, practically. Any words. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. <laughs> so moving on to, you know, high school, how big were you when you were 15 years old and got that first offer from Minnesota? Like, were you, you're a pretty, uh, pretty big guy. You're about six, nine. Uh, yeah, I'm six, nine right now. Uh, okay. around then I was probably, I think I came into high school, uh, like six, six. Okay. Uh, were you, were you like over 200 pounds already? Uh, see, going from eighth grade to freshman year, uh, I kind of locked myself in the weight room. Had okay. A, had an incident that uh, basically I just wanted to be stronger and always be able to be who I am now, I'd say. And because uh, before eighth grade, I was super skinny. Uh, I used to be able to put my fingers around my biceps. And then uh, after enough people calling me skinny, calling me twigs, all sticks, all that had enough of it and I mean, changed my narrative. And that's the Theo John you see now, the, as the announcers like to say, the boy that eats weights, all that. <laughs> boy that eats weights. <laughs> I understand you've been growing your hair out and I understand that it's related to basketball. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the timeline. I think it's around the high school era. Can you kind of walk us through how they're related? 
Yeah, so in high school, I was blessed to be on a really talented team. A lot of winning games, a lot of a lot of fun times with those guys. Two games where I definitely wish I could get back, uh, both state championship games, one my sophomore year, the other my senior year. My sophomore year, we lost to Apple Valley state championship. Other Duke fans may know names like Gary Trent, Trey Jones <laughs> were all on that team. A lot of yeah. good players, uh, surrounding pieces for high school, especially Minnesota high school basketball really slept on. There's a lot of good players up here, but we ended up losing that game. And then uh, we saw Apple Valley again with Trey, my senior year in the championship. And uh, going into the game, we were pretty confident. And I had jokingly made a bet with a few of my teammates, actually, that if we lost, I wouldn't cut my hair until we won something of value. And a few guys were all on board. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And next thing you know, we end up, Halftime, close game, end of the game, we end up losing. And uh, moments I'll, I won't forget, you know, it's high school basketball. It's, it's significant, it holds different significance to different people. Um, but just the memories in itself, it, it, it meant a lot to me. But losing that game, I uh, kind of held through with it and kept growing my hair out to this day. Actually, I still haven't cut it. Wow. It's kind of like a reminder. Uh, <laughs> How long has it been? Like about four or five years? Yeah, so since my senior year of high school. So 2017 is when I graduated. That's dedication. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a daily reminder. Never get too confident. Uh, always got to go out there and do what you got to do. <laughs> um, it seems like you're pretty close with their high school team, the, those guys you're just yeah. talking about. You know, one of the players I, I looked up, he's McKinley Wright. And for those of us who follow Colorado Boulder basketball, they know that McKinley is a certified baller. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey together with McKinley and then your other high school friends and how you've managed to stay close over all this time? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to say what McKinley's doing right now. I mean, I'm so proud of him, so excited for him. I mean, getting to see your brother live out his dream and slowly, step by step, keep proving the people wrong that, I mean, you ask these, this group of high school guys, like we all knew, we all know he belongs in the NBA. And uh, it's just, it's been so fun to watch him prove people wrong time in and time out. It's, it's something real special. And it's just that group of guys, actually. Uh, we still are in communication all the time. I'm actually home for a few days for my birthday, which was uh, yesterday, the August 25th. And uh, hoping to see some of those guys uh, in the next few days while I'm here. And uh, I mean, it's basketball. Basketball is a special thing. It kind of brings people together, uh, especially I mean, grow up playing with the same group of guys uh, day in, day out, going to battle with them, sometimes fighting each other. But it's all the love of the game. And it really creates a family environment that has stayed strong all throughout these years. So, Absolutely. That's really cool. So you guys, you know, when, when you're away, how does it, you guys have a big text chain? Do you guys get on like, oh, you guys yeah, hop we, on times? <laughs> like how does it work? Uh, it's a combination. Uh, you know, we got the group chats. We got the Snapchat group chats. We got yep. group FaceTimes from time to time. Uh, some guys be getting on the game together, uh, whether it be PlayStation, Xbox, whatever it is. Nice. And, you know, basketball, everybody's busy. Everybody, Everybody's journey is different, so we're in different locations. But end of the day, especially nowadays, it's so easy to keep in contact with people. And even if we don't, we know if you ever need anything, just reach out. And it's, it's that family that it just can't be broken. So Love it. Let's talk about your recruitment process a little bit. Before you decided to play at Marquette, you know, you're getting recruited out of high school. What was that process like? 
Man, it was crazy. A lot of good memories on visits, a lot of good relationships built uh, during that time. It's a good feeling to know places want you. So just going through that process, thank my parents, my mentors. They walked me through everything step by step, tried to break everything down best of their knowledge. It was a stressful decision at times, but at the time, just going to Marquette was the best option for me. And with my relationship with the coaches and just opportunity that I felt was there for me, very happy and would do it again in a heartbeat. Great. Who else were you considering? Uh, my top five, I believe, was, it's been a while. <laughs> I did a top six, actually. It was Minnesota, Marquette, Purdue, Oklahoma, and Cal Berkeley. Was was um, yeah. Rick Pitino there at uh, at Minnesota when when he uh, recruited you freshman year? Yeah, and actually, uh, Ben Johnson was uh, like my main recruiter. Uh, he was the assistant okay. at the time. So, was, like I oh. said, the relationships you build, uh, especially in college basketball, like people moving around. I mean, it's chaotic at times, but uh, like the like I said, the relationships for the most part stay the same. So, so Purdue would have been a very I, I could actually see you fitting into that team really well. Um, <laughs> They're bigger than most teams and mm-hmm. you're a pretty big guy. I feel like that's like the one school that you could actually go play the three at because <laughs> they got, you know, at the time they had Harms and uh, they were, you know, just, they ran seven foot, seven, two and, and another seven footer. I think they had, they just a lot of, a lot of big height. And Oh yeah. My freshman year, we played them. And like you said, big team. Yeah. And then they had Carson Edwards running around and oh, yeah. just dishing and, Shooting from anywhere, he kind of had free reign of that team. Your freshman year, I, m- I imagine he was already oh, yeah. established as the man there. Yeah, Isaac Haas. I mean, that's yeah. So yeah, matchup nightmare. But did you have to guard Haas? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, he was actually <laughs> uh one of my, he was my host on the visit. Okay, there's a group of guys, but he was one of the main guys that was uh, showing me around, playing in an open gym together. It's uh, a big human. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big dude for sure. Yeah. So you're you're at Marquette. You know, during your time there, you you kind of evolve from this quiet young man to you know on the basketball court, you start screaming. You know, your hair is getting longer. You know, you you really develop more of a presence and a just an impact on the on the floor and and, and your surroundings. Can you just pick out a couple of moments that really stand out to you that? to find your time at Milwaukee and Marquette? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of moments, a lot of behind the scene moments, a lot of frontline national television moments. Ah, that's tough. I'd say a big moment for me was playing really this, my sophomore year felt mm-hmm. like just a year overall. I built a tremendous amount of confidence in who I was. And I kind of realized the player that I had to become to accomplish the goals that I wanted to, because I feel like my freshman year, I was just running out there with my head cut off. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know left from right. I just knew I had to try to get the ball in the hole and try not to mess anything up. It's actually super common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so common. Cause you know, you're playing at a very high level of high school basketball. You know, you were at state championships and you guys had a great team around you, but the gyms that you guys were filling up, it doesn't compare to college. And then when mm-hmm. you go to a program like Marquette with an established thousands of fans that are going to be there, ride or die for that team. Mm-hmm. And it's so common. You see these freshmen walk in and they're like, I'm ready for this moment. And then they look around and game one, you can see like 
oh, like that's, there's a lot of people here. Like, wow. Like if I miss a free throw, like everyone's going to know. And mm-hmm. there's just like something you, you try not to think about it. You try to block it out, but it's so hard. I imagine I, I uh, don't have any experience with this, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you see it all the time. It's so common. So the sophomore year, you sounds like you really started to, to get into your own a little bit. Is there another moment in there that kind of stood out to you? Like, I know that basketball is for me and now I'm ready to really pursue it further. I mean, I, I feel like I always knew that. And like, I always knew I wanted to pursue it further. Mm-hmm. I'd say my sophomore year was the year I started to put together how I had to, have to do that. Gotcha. Before I was just chasing a dream, chasing a goal. Like, especially at the time, like where my game was and where my development was at the time, like I was a defensive player and rebounding and blocking shots and just being like the defensive anchor of the team. Like that's how okay. I was most able to help that team and most able to show what it is I can bring to a team. We played Buffalo uh, and I remember it so well because we played one of my former AAU teammates, Brock Bertram, who's on the team. And Buffalo was really hot that year. It was a really highly anticipated game. National television and full crowd, like just what college basketball is about. And I remember just playing really well in my role that game. And that gave me the confidence that I will be able to get to the next level. I just have to continue to master and understand what it is that will help me get there. Yeah. So Marquette, they're known for having role players. It sounds like they put you into the role of, you know, rebounder, defensive presence, and, you know, just all around energy. Mm -hmm. Is that how you perceived your role to be defined by them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was a guy basically do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. Go take somebody's head off on the screen. Go get this guy open shot. Go get the go get the rebound. Go get the missed shot. Go guy gets beat off the dribble. Clean it up. I mean, (laughs) It was a joke. It was me and Ed Morrow used to be mm-hmm. Windex cleaning the glass off. And <laughs> as soon as somebody got beat, you'd hear somebody on the bench, Theo or Ed. And next thing you know, one of us popping up, going getting it. So, nice. yeah, that's it was good I'm, memories thinking about it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to I want to switch it up a little bit and just uh, change the tone for a second before we get to your transfer process and the Duke. Um, I just want to take a moment. I want to ask you a little bit. Um, could you share a little bit about the protest that you attended in Minneapolis, where you grew up? You were there last year, and I, I understand you had a profound experience. Can you just share with the listeners a little bit about that day? Man, well, I got I got stories on top of stories. Sure, sure. The one that sticks with me the most, and the protest that sticks with me the most, uh, we was on a bridge and uh, just protesting. Um, There's guys speaking their mind, just, it was a good environment, a safe environment for the time. And we had just sat down on the bridge. And I remember there was like, just yelling and people pointing. And next thing you know, there's a gas truck that's driving through the middle of the crowd. And everybody, luckily, thank God, I don't know how this happened, but nobody was ran over. Nobody was seriously injured, but just the fear of somebody intentionally driving like a gas truck, like a big semi truck through a crowd of people. I mean, it was terrifying. And I remember just seeing certain things that day that just made you question a lot. It it was just an experience in itself because you saw people yelling, screaming, running um, because they're yelling. It's like it's a gas truck. They're yelling. It's going to blow up. It's going to blow up. 
and just seeing like what that could have did at that moment. I have a distinct picture of probably middle school, young black kid hugging this older elderly white lady trying to like calm her down because she's having a panic attack. And this kid who was running past stopped, came back and hugged her and was like, we got to go, we got to go. And uh, just little moments like that where it kind of gives you that reassurance and just humanity because there's a lot of lost souls in this world, uh, a lot of confusion, a lot of troubling times that everyone's going through. But I mean, good people are going to be good people in good or bad situations. You're absolutely right. With with everything, especially during that year and that which has continued on, um, just talking with people, understanding people, understanding where people are coming from uh, in their past experiences, I feel like would help and eliminate a lot of hate, a lot of bad, just, I don't even want to say bad, I'll say misunderstanding. I feel like that's a lot of what America was going through and is continuing to go through is just a lot of misunderstanding. So that's a memory I'll hold with the rest of my life. So I'll tell my kids, very scary experience. Uh, was there with my brother and a few of my good high school basketball teammates. And it's just something that you, we went through that will shape us for the rest of our lives. So, Well, you know, first and foremost, I'm very glad you're okay. Glad that, especially at that event, that luckily no one got hurt. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, and thank you, you know, for sharing a little bit about that. I, I would have felt wrong about not uh, at least bringing this up because I saw that video of you speaking about it uh, very shortly after the mm-hmm. event had happened. And I could see in your eyes that there was some real, like some real profound feelings being felt there. So again, thanks. Thanks for just getting to that with me. We'll pivot right back. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll journey towards Duke. So first let's talk about the transfer portal. How long were you in the transfer portal this off season? Uh, it was very short. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you the exact days, but no more than like two or three. Okay. And in that time, how many coaches did you hear from? Man, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I wish I could tell you the exact number. Uh, it, it, it was crazy because going in, I didn't really know what the transfer portal was, like whether it was just a website or like, I didn't know how to get in. I, I didn't know anything about it. After the four years in Marquette that I played, I was set on um, playing professionally. I had my mind made up. And just in talking with my parents, my basically my close family circle, they begged and pleaded me to just consider the option of going back and just just to see what my options, just to have all my options on the table for me. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I listened to them. As uh, stubborn as I am, I listened, went through the process. It was quick. Sent one quick email, and five minutes later, my phone started blowing up. And uh, <laughs> one of the names uh, was Chris Carwell, who was at Marquette. Marquette with me my first two years. And many, many hours in the gym spent with him. So in talking with him, he it's funny, he was originally just first reaching out to see how, how I was doing, where my thoughts were, if I needed anything. And, and then he got... <laughs> straight in the coach mode and kind of presented his case. And, you know, when coach K is asking to talk to you, I mean, you, you pick up the phone. So in talking with him, talking with my family, it was a quick, easy decision for me. And I knew pretty much from the beginning that it was either professionally or Duke for this amazing opportunity. So 
Okay. So, you know, you leaving Marquette, Shaka Smart walks into Marquette. Did you, mm-hmm. did he ask you to stay? Was he one of the coaches that approached you? No, I'd say no, because at the time I was so set on leaving college and make, starting my professional career. Um, and that's what I had been telling all the people and staff at Marquette, telling all the just people around Marquette and telling myself, telling my family. Uh, so I don't think there was ever the thought of it being an option. And, you know, college basketball, he he probably just moved on to the next guy on the list. And I have no problems with that. Um, I did what I had to do at Marquette. I feel like I put in my time. I represented the jersey as best as I could for the time I was there and uh, wish nothing but the best to them. Um, hopefully it's a good, fresh start that they were looking for. I'm excited to see what they do. Absolutely. You know, this is going to sound like a silly question, but why why did you choose Duke? There's so many schools, there's so many options for you at that point. You're only in the portal for a couple of days. Why Duke? Well, why not, why not Duke? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's an amazing opportunity. I apologize to Marquette fans. I feel like we we didn't do exactly what we wanted to do. Didn't go out the way we wanted to. And I hate going out losing. And I feel like Duke, there's an opportunity for me to go out a champion, to go out a winner. And the opportunities, especially this year, being Coach K's last year, yeah. just playing for Coach K and learning from his staff and being a part of the brotherhood, I feel like would just elevate my game and give me the opportunity to win a lot of basketball games. Take some young guys under my wing, teach them what I know, uh, show them what I know, and just attacking the ultimate goal together. I, I was just, I couldn't pass that opportunity up. Absolutely. You know, Duke basketball is a label and there's nothing wrong with Marquette or any other school in the country. But when you say Duke basketball, there's just something different to it. And mm-hmm. it, unfortunately, you know, it also comes with a lot of people are just going to hate you for mm-hmm. playing there. You know, it's like they're the they're the villain. They're the Patriots for whatever reason. They you know, people just look at them and they're like, no, no, <laughs> not Duke. Hey, I love that. I love that. I, I mean, if you follow me at Marquette, you know, I've been a villain since pretty much day one. And I love and accept that role. And if I'm able to bring that mentality to this team, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a real fun season. You know, when you finally announced, I'm going to Duke, what happened? Like, what was that moment like? What was your phone like? What was going on? <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a huge sigh of relief. There was so much uncertainty. I didn't know what was coming next before with what I thought my journey was in pursuing a professional career. There's so many questions with COVID and there's just so much uncertainty. And to know I had a spot to play, I had the opportunity that I had in playing for Duke, learning from Coach K, playing with a lot of, lot of great talent and uh, knowing from day one that our goal was to send Coach out the right way. So it gave me a lot of purpose. It gave me a lot of passion and it just got, got me really excited for what's to come. And now that you're at Duke, can you pinpoint like a specific part of your game that you're hoping to unlock? My goal is just to play freely. There's a lot of stuff to my game that I've been working on for a long time. That I haven't been able to showcase because it wasn't my role. Mm-hmm. Where here, I feel like the whole definition of role is just be a good basketball player, win games. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to just learn and develop areas of my games that I need to uh, in order to take it to the next level. And uh, it's just a surreal experience in itself. So I'm ready to just learn and just soak everything up as a sponge 
and try to give out as much information as I can to the young guys. What a great attitude to bring into a storied program and, you know, one of the greatest mentors and coaches of all time. So you can go and learn as much as you can from him. I think that's the perfect person to be ready to learn from. You know, last year with COVID, there was no fans in the stands. And this year you're going to be playing half your games at Cameron Indoor Stadium. You know, famously, it's one of the craziest places to play in all of basketball. Talk me through what's the anticipation of playing that first home game like? Are you more excited? Are you nervous? Like, what, what are you feeling? Man, <laughs> I don't know what to feel. I'm, I feed off the fans. I miss them so dearly at Marquette my last year. I mean, I'm sure every basketball player can say, like, whether it's cheers or boos, like, that, that gives you energy. I love when you get the fans screaming, like, fuck you, all of it. Like, I love that. I feed yeah. off that. Uh, and I also love when, I mean, you get a dunk and you make eye contact with, like, a fan in the student section. You guys are locked in. You're both flexing at each other. Like, those are the moments in college basketball that you never forget. Big games like that. And I just, the Cameron Crazies, I mean, <laughs> they got the name for a reason. They got the name for a reason. If you know basketball, you know Duke basketball, and you know Cameron Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be amazing. The anticipation, I feel like, around the season is just, at an all-time high, too, being the fact that they weren't able to be in there last year. This is Coach's last year. We're going to have a really good team, motivated team, and we have all the pieces. We just got to put the puzzle together. So talking about that really good team, it's, it's also going to be a really young team. You know, you might be one of the elder statesmen there. How are you going to mm-hmm. jump in and kind of assert a little bit of, of leadership towards the younger guys, especially – you guys have, I think, three top 25 recruits coming in. One of them, Paolo, he's you know, one of the top players in the country coming into college basketball next season. The top. The top. Oh. Let me tell you something. He, <laughs> yeah, you played with him already? Yeah. he. I mean, we have, we have so much talent. It's crazy. Uh, I can't wait for these guys to develop, for these guys to just showcase what it is that they can do. I mean, just when we're playing open gym or just shooting, working out together, no matter who it is that's in there, it's, everybody's having moments where you're like, oh, <laughs> this boy can play. And it's, there's so much potential in this team. I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm just going to bring as much as I can with my experience and my knowledge of the game, just try to pass that on. Because the better I make my teammates, the better chances that we're going to win. And that's what I came here to do is win. You know, this team, is it's, it sounds like everyone's already on board with building around, hey, this is Coach's last season. Let's, you know, send him out with a bang. How big of a deal is it to you guys that you guys are all a part of this historical last season for Coach K? Honestly, I feel like it speaks for itself. Like, if you know basketball, just basketball in general, and you say Coach K, like, that holds a lot of weight. I mean, he's accomplished so much in his career. It's just a great great person like off the court like there's really no words to explain it there's no words for it because it's just it's that unsaid thing that everybody knows like is is a necessity we have to give everything we got to do what it is we know we have to do I think that's really well put it seems like you are building a real special team there and you know I'm thinking you guys have the talent to really do some damage in this division and also across the country how was your relationship with coach developing? Good, good. I mean, he, he he's around all the time. He's He notices things that the, the common eye just wouldn't pick up on. 
and he could be having a conversation fully locked in with you over here mm-hmm. and he knows exactly what's going on over here over there he knows theo didn't bend his legs as much on his free throw right here he's just so in tune with his surroundings and what's going on that you can't not have a good relationship with him and just having somebody like that it's nothing but respect and just appreciation for their knowledge Wow. Yeah. I can only imagine, you know, what it's like, is there like extra pressure to shooting in front of coach? Like, (laughs) I don't like seeing the ball go out. So, I mean, whether coach there or not, you're going to be there when it counts. So I'm going to have to be there to put it in. All right. You know, let's talk about your bag a little bit. You know, I want to talk about some of your favorite moves. Personally, I, I really like your drop step Hezzy. You know, you seem to be able to, it's very quick and you create a lot of separation at least in, in most of your highlights. And so, you know, with you, you have a lot of touch around the rim. And when you get any separation, it makes you pretty unstoppable. What do you enjoy out of your moves? And what some of you think you're most unstoppable? Like, what do you... I mean, I, I say the Hezzy is one of my favorites because there's so many different ways to get to it. And there's so many ways to come out of it. You get to literally just read. And once I get into it, it's like, pick your poison, which hand you want. It, it, I mean, it's... <laughs> I'll give credit to my trainers. Uh, that's that's after I got that move down. I mean, I, I feel like I go to it maybe too much, but if it's working, it's working. So I say as far as other moves, I don't want to give too much of my secrets away, but that's fair. All right. The rest of this is going to be fun. First, right. is there any particular team that you're excited to play this upcoming season? <laughs> Man, there, there's a lot of teams, but I'm probably most excited play North Carolina again. I got my little bro Dawson Garcia just transferred there, played with him at Marquette, and he he's another guy where it's like a little brother to me. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, last game of the season or regular season, last game in Cameron, like a lot of guys will say, oh, no, I'm looking forward to the first game. I'm looking forward to all the games. But there's those games that, I mean, you can't you can't ask for nothing better. That's really cool. You know, a lot of people think about that rivalry and so impactful and it has so much history and every year it's great games and and it's must see mm-hmm. TV. And this is the first, one of the first games maybe that um, there'll be two guys who just transferred from the same school playing on opposite sides of that court. That'll be really interesting. I didn't even realize that uh, mm-hmm. Dawson was going to be in that game. That's really cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, let's move on to our shout out opportunity. Who is the most talented teammate that you've ever played with? Man, I've thought about this question for a long time, a long time. Because, I mean, there's so much talent I've played with. So many guys, whether it was at basketball camps, it was through AAU, through college. Um, I'd say most skilled would be Marcus Howard. Yeah. I probably had the best seat in the house because I was usually the one screening for him. But the way he able to create separate, I mean, forget what anybody say. He's too small. He's not don't got the body like fuck all that he he's an nba player um he got a bag you want to talk about bag he got a bag that's right uh, i mean that's all that's all really i gotta say just go watch the highlights marcus howard marquette basketball marcus howard. yeah just yeah he, he's very skilled um, i think i think he's working out with the nuggets now i think he's trying to make that team yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh wish nothing but the best to him i mean keep doing him all right what's a better feeling dunking or blocking someone Oh, that's tough. I'd say 
See, I love both, obviously, but blocking somebody is what I'm going to go with just because, like, at this level, everybody's going to get dunked on. Everybody's going to get blocked. But especially when, like, it's a, a guard that think they just put it over your hands or just got it out of your reach or guys that literally just don't see you coming. And just sometimes when you, after you block them, you get a little peep of their face and just a surprise. And like, the, how did that hit? Like seeing that look and that expression and just, it's almost like a hit in the gut for them. So that's my favorite feeling. I like it. Yeah. And I feel like that's more your, your game too, you know, rim protector and, and your energy is, you know, protect the rim and, and, and mm-hmm. play, play strong defense. And I like that element that you're adding with the, you know, oh, especially if you can see their face afterwards for a second, just to be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I make sure to look sometimes, just <laughs> stare them down a little bit, make sure they know. But I mean, being a shot blocker, everybody's going to get got sometime. But it's just telling yourself, not this time, like this ain't it. That feeling that you gain from that moment, big or small moment, you're, you're blocking someone. Can you compare that to anything outside of the world of basketball? Uh, no. Nah. I mean, you don't have to. Yeah, there's not really, especially a big game, big block or big dunk, like just a big play in general. All the hours and all the time you put into your body, put into the gym, put into studying the game. Like when you're able to do that and do exactly what you want to do in the moment where you want to do it, there's there's nothing nothing comparable to that. It's an adrenaline like no other. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now, just for fun, you're transferring from Marquette to Duke. I'm going to set up a three-on-three game for you. You got to tell me who wins. All these players are in their prime, okay? Okay. Prime. Oh, it's a whole new element. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. So, on Marquette, you've got Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Jay Crowder. Some dogs. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a tough dogs. three right there. That's, that's going to be tough, but let's, let's see the other three. For Duke, I'm picking Zion, Tatum, and JJ Redick. Yeah. All, all in their prime. Because you know, oh, yeah. D Wade ain't lacing them up unless you get some stretching and all that. <laughs> no, but yeah. No, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, we're talking, we're talking prime heat, Dwayne Wade. Tatum, too. He he got a deep duffel. Deep duffel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a duffel bag. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I haven't heard that. This game is going to, if we could actually see it be played, I'm sure it'd be so much fun. There's great defense all over the court. They're shooting. And then there's matchups that are just fantastic. I mean, Jay Crowder probably guards Zion or Tatum. And then Jimmy has to guard the other. While Dwayne Wade has to run around and cover Redick. That's a problem. Yeah. You know. And Z a big body, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just met him. He he a big body. Uh but I mean, like you said, Jay, that's he dog mentality. Uh you know, I'm I'm gonna go with my Marquette team. Uh, I know I'm I'm Duke now and I'm yeah, I'm gonna go with the Marquette team. Uh just cause I feel like Prime Wade, Prime Butler, like I feel like we still gonna see Prime Zion as Prime Tatum. JJ Reddick, cold blooded. But uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna pick the Marquette three. Now my answer might change in a few years after we see Prime, these other guys. But as of right now, I'm going I'm going with okay. Marquette. Three. Well, then in a few years, I'll have to ask you back and and get you onto the podcast to to address it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 
You know, Theo, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. And thanks for joining the Scouting Report. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been great. This podcast is hosted by Scott Eisenstadt and produced by Central Park Sound. Audio supervision, editing, and theme song by Jordan Schiff. Make sure to rate and review this episode. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and follow The Scotting Report wherever you listen to podcasts.